Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. It is Emmett Fox Friday. Happy day to everyone. I hope uh, everyone is healthy and doing well and staying positive, even under the difficult conditions we find ourselves in, under lockdown and so on, or you may be ill yourself. And if you are, we're praying for you and wish you a speedy recovery and blessings to everyone out there. Uh, so this week, we're uh, we're going to read from every, uh, Emmett Fox's work, of course, like we do every week, Find and Use Your Inner Power, otherwise known as Sparks of Truth. And our our section this week is called Millennium. Millennium. So we're going to talk about uh, this after we, after we read through it and break it down a little bit and how it applies to what's going on today. So if you want to start, Chris, jump right in. Sure. Millennium. As the truth of the omnipresence and availability of God seeps more and more into people's minds, vast changes for the better will come over the human race. These changes, in the beginning at least, may be accompanied by a certain amount of confusion and apprehension, but that stage will not last very long. First of all, poverty will disappear. This change will begin in the English-speaking countries, and then it will be seen in continental Europe and later among other civilizations. This means the end of slums with their unholy trinity of poverty, hunger, and dirt. All will have true prosperity without victimizing one section of the community on behalf of another. Of course, this will mean the end of crime as well. Next, sickness and disease will go. People will demonstrate healthy bodies as a matter of course and live in full activity to advanced age. So rapidly will the human consciousness improve that the thousand and one fears, jealousies, grudges, resentments, and so forth that spoil people's daily lives today will be absolutely a thing of the past, and war itself will cease to exist. War between nations and industrial war too. Think of a world with no armies and no navies, no police departments, no prisons, no hospitals, no poor houses, no orphanages, no locks on doors or drawers or banks or safe deposit vaults, because there is no need for such things. Think of this new world and help it to come to birth by believing in it, expecting it, and praying for it. That's a powerful line. I'm going to read that again. Think of this new world and help it to come to birth by believing in it, expecting it, and praying for it. Amen. We would like to see that world. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about this a little bit. You know, it sounds like Emmett Fox is framing somewhat of a, a utopian yeah. ideal of the world, right. which in, in these times and with our, with our uh, cynical minds sometimes sounds, you know, too good to be true or maybe difficult to believe in and so forth. Um, but I think that's part of the, part of the problem. Um, when you really get down to it, is that because we can't see a different solution or we can't visualize a, a real real change at the heart of things, you know, we can't create a different situation for ourselves. And I think really what he's saying here is it's not that he's trying to say, you know, we don't need some of these services and things like that. But what he's really saying is shoot for this ideal of this society whereby we're so conscious of God and good and life and law that we don't really treat each other in ways where we will, you know, where we need all those things like armies and navies and police and so on. 
and that our minds are so clear and, you know, we're operating on such a higher vibrational level that, you know, we can live in peace with each other and so on. And I think that's really what he's getting at with this idea. I like that it's called Millennium because I, I believe this was written sometime in the 1940s, if, if I'm not mistaken. 30s, 30s or this 30s? Was, this is probably pre-World War II. Yeah. 37, actually. 37, yeah. yeah. So pre-World War II. So, you know, some of the ideas of these sort of utopian ideals that were around in the, you know, the early 1900s are still, you know, kind of prevalent in this thinking. And, uh, you know, God bless him for it. We need, we need some utopian ideals. Now, what that doesn't mean in my mind is that we ignore reality and try to pretend like um, we're going to change the government and then everything's suddenly going to be fixed or we're going to, you know, have this or that law put into place and everything's suddenly going to be great, you know, or this or that leader is going to change and then, you know, hey, here's a miracle. Because that thinking gets us into the same kinds of troubles that, you know, that we always find ourselves in as human beings, you know, and, and, and then we, you know, then we wonder how it happened. What this is talking about is each and every person thinking and believing on this new world and praying for it. And then also, as he always says, acting in the ways that, you know, that you need to, to create such a place, you know, and that's the practicality of new thought in a nutshell is yes, let's, let's think and let's believe and let's pray for but let's also get down to work and making those things happen as we're doing so. You know, there's a there's a faith and works with with the formula. It's not really talked about in this, but we, you know, we've we've went over that before in, in some of the other shows. So, you know, that's definitely an idea that runs runs through this this type of thinking. So, you know, what do you what do you think about this one? Well, share. I think this share, is, uh, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, you know, who knows? Millennium, that would have been, what, 80 years off? Uh, yeah, right. Years. Oh, um, yeah, I got off track. I'm sorry. Thank you for following up on that. Forward. I mean, just, and that's really the only time it's mentioned is in the title. But, you know, think of 75 years from now. Um, people are talking about full, you know, green, you know, green economy with, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different ways of doing things, more idealized. Yeah ways there probably won't be gasoline or coal anything <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and it's wind and sea and you know all this stuff uh, i think actually um now that we've read through it out loud i i think he's right about all of this but i think it's backwards okay. i think it's upside down i think this you got to read this from the bottom up mm-hmm. uh, like as far as like the order that it'll happen okay um you know it starts by thinking, thinking of this new world. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, briefly, I've seen the no police department um, and the uh, no need for crime mm-hmm. uh, in action. I went to Tokyo about 10 years ago and, you know, people leave their bicycles on their porch unlocked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm cynical American, but it was like, the first thing I thought, oh my God, that's one of the steal this poor person's bike you know? <laughs> right yeah uh, and yeah. then it was explained to me that oh no um crime is for the most part conducted by professionals <laughs> by the yeah. organized crime yeah uh, and if you do crime especially person-on-person crime like theft and things like that they'll come not the police they will come after you so people mm-hmm. are 
<laughs> terrified of the mob getting them yeah. if they steal your bike. So, yeah. you know, so that's um, not I, really I know the that's, world we're talking of, but yes, that's no, but I'm, <laughs> I'm saying it's, you know, there's a self policing and there's there you a, go. you know, it, there's some version of that, that things don't have to just be a crime centric, but it has to start in consciousness. And I see it working, um, working its way out, especially when, it says so rapidly will the human consciousness improved mm. that the thousand and one fears, jealousies, grudges, resentments, and so forth that spoil people's lives today will be a thing of the past. I think that's where it starts. Well, exactly. I think I think that's as because that's in the individual and it's human consciousness. I think because we are fearful, we have locks. Because we are jealous, we steal. Uh, because we have grudges, we betray um, sure, you know what sure, I mean? resentments exactly. in you know that spoil people's life that's i think where it begins i think if we can attack it and heal it really mm-hmm. on those levels of consciousness so you know release our fears and our jealousies forgive our resentments and grudges um, and that will pave the way for ending poverty and crime and a lot of these other things because we're not first of all so tied up in all that stuff sure because it really goes nowhere plus it's it's negative thinking mm-hmm. it's you're really working on you know bad things instead of working on solutions you know to good things yeah exactly and you know even you know does it's not to say this is the thing about it you know in some in certain uh you know societies more traditional societies and things like that that are more close-knit you know, there's 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 very little crime and very little, you know, types of problems in terms of, um, you know, a lot of the issues we have, uh, mental illness issues and so on. People, you know, kind of you know, homelessness and 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 drug addiction and so on. You know, those things come usually after, you know, industrialized society is introduced to those traditional societies. You know, those those societies make. It's like, it's like, as an example, like, you know, there, I was, I can't even remember what I was reading, but they were talking about a little town in Europe or something like that. Oh, it was, it was one of the Jungian, uh, the, one of the Jungians were talking about this. It was a small village and, and oh, it was von Franz. She had just moved to this small town uh, when she first moved to, to Switzerland, I think. No, she was in Switzerland already when she, she moved. To, to work with Jung, I believe, into this little small town that was nearby uh, where Jung was. And the people of the village told her, oh, there's this, there's this man, and I forgot his name, but, you know, he'll come around and he's a kleptoman. He'll steal, he'll steal things. And, and don't worry about it. Just go tell his father and we'll get the things back for you. And we all work with him. He's harmless but he, he just can't help himself. He's and the whole town's in on it, you know? So it's like, Oh, the klepto man comes yeah. around and steals your stuff and something's missing. And so you go to, you know, Johan and tell him, Oh, you're so I need it back. <laughs> and he'll fetch it back for you. But it's an interesting thing because it's like, you know, you begin to see how people, you know, used to take care of those things in their own communities and they didn't, um, they didn't criminalize everything and they didn't try to institutionalize everyone. 
and and granted look i mean a certain number of people are gonna gonna need special help and i i get that i mean that's that's part of the whole thing but setting setting up a society though that's based on these ideas of just like higher ideals and a higher sense of justice and a you know higher sense of spirituality and god consciousness and an understanding of abundance in a different way not waste not greed but but a true sense of abundance that just permeates one's living and one's being, it just changes things completely. You know, and we can sit there and we can be cynical and say, well, that's, you know, a utopian ideal. Um, but, you know, the thing is, it's like, you've got to have something to shoot for. And that's why, like, you know, people are critical of, you know, Greek statues. Well, they don't really reflect the, you know, the, the average Greek that was walking around, obviously. And, you know, these these are, you know, images that, that, that you know, that, that inspire people to, you know, not, not feel good about themselves and things like that. And, you know, what they were doing, though, was trying to create perfection and beauty that, you know, they knew most likely most people were not going to achieve, but it's an ideal. Do you know what I mean? It gives you something, something to shoot for, and you've got to shoot high. And then, you know, what you end up with will be pretty damn good. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, I do. It's like you wouldn't name your spaceship company, um, you know, with a, with a slogan, the sky's the limit. Um, yeah. You know, that's, sure. that's a little too a little, low. It's little actually, the sky's, if you don't get yeah. past the sky, you're not in space. You're not, I mean, even, you're in not even in business. You know? Even Elon Musk calls his spaceship the, uh, the new one, the Starliner. It's like, no, he's not going to go to the stars. He's not even going to go to our sun, maybe not even Mars with this thing. But your reach, um, you know, has to go beyond your yeah. grasp. You know, that's the Sagittarius uh, symbolism. You know, there's the, the man on the horse or the horseman thing. Um, higher up and smarter than the four-legged thing that stays close to the earth, but through his intelligence, you know, fashions a bow and an arrow so he can shoot even further than even mm -hmm. he can go. Mm -hmm. So it's lifted up from underneath and it's, you know, extending out um, beyond. But But you have to, I mean you know, the founding fathers of the uh, United States um, certainly put in things in the constitution that, that they weren't fully living up sure, to. Exactly. Um, but these, these are ideals. ideals. Yes. And you have to have them. And, but there is a, like you're talking about, you have to be practical and realistic. Uh, I think there's a way you can do both. You can keep yes. one foot on the ground and, and keep your, you know, your hand reaching That's, for I the sky. I completely agree. Yeah. At the same time, and I think when we strike that balance, you know, and that keeps it connected with works, <laughs> um, but it also keeps the works connected with something higher. Exactly. You know, ethics and value. And, you know, you're talking about getting rid of orphanages in this uh, in this passage. It's, you know, oh, that sounds terrible. But, you know, why are there so many mm -hmm. orphans? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, why are there so many sick people? Uh, why are there so many poor people? Uh, yes, we need to feed the children, but why are there so many hungry children? <laughs> let's, yeah. let's work on these yeah, things taking it back. on that level. But that's a consciousness thing that we have to do in our own lives and live. Exactly. That'll extend out. You know, it's these are symptoms of a problem and their problems in themselves. But that's why I think this the way he, he <laughs> wrote this thing is kind of backwards in the pathway mm -hmm. to those things. Interesting. Yeah. And simultaneous, you know. 
but the consciousness has to change. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think, you know, even if, even if the consciousness is just having a larger vision, because we could say, wow, that's real. You know, rich get richer, poor get poor. Well, work hard, death and taxes. You can say these things over and over again, but it's like, are they necessarily true? And do they really have to be that way? Yeah. So it's paradigm level thinking. Um, if that can change, then I think all these other things are not just facts of life. They are facts of the way we're mm-hmm. living life. Exactly. And then, you know, it gets um, into these ideas about things that are just sort of givens that we take as, you know, a matter of course, or this is the way it is, or this is, you know, this is the how things work, quote unquote, or that's just the way things are, quote unquote. You know, and for example, you know, there's there's a lot of, for you know, guys, this is one of my my big issues, obviously, and yours as well. We talk about this quite a bit on the show. But you know, one of the th- problems with with uh, some some of the solutions that are available through, for example, sustainable energy. You know, they'll they'll do studies on on um, you know solar panels and wind and you know different types of you know geothermal and well, you know whatever types of uh, different sustainable energy sources, and and they'll say, well, you know this is all great. You know, these, these things would be wonderful. The problem is we need, you know, I'm just off the top of my head. This is not, this is not a real figure, but you know, we need 10 times as much energy as that stuff can produce or something. And, and then, you know, you realize like, you realize the, the, the challenge with this situation. It's like, you're living in this very wasteful and very destructive and very um, kind of inefficient way. And then you're asking of the tools that aren't made to do those things to do the same thing that the, that the other tool was, this cheap oil that you had for so long. You're asking it to do the same job. And it, the, those, you know, those sustainable and alternative you know, types of energy really aren't, aren't made for that yet, and they're not up to the task. But that's the thing. Then you have to say to yourself, well, why is there so much waste? Why is there so much... Um, inefficiency why is is our infrastructure so antiquated when we're so quote-unquote technologically advanced and there's there's you know new and interesting and different ways of doing things that you know we haven't even thought of yet that you know different people are going to come up with to solve these problems and it's not just going to be a a magic bullet it's going to be a series of of different you know, different solutions. But my, my point is though, you've got to first shift your, your thinking to even say, well, what's the real problem here? Is the real problem here that, you know, that we're going to run out of oil or is the real problem that we use too much energy or is the real problem that we're at heart being wasteful and greedy, you know, and then kind of keep chaining it back. Like what is the, what is the sort of spiritual or, or, or kind of um, ethical lesson behind all this. And let's, let's put our, you know, our work and our in industry and our lives into, into order with ethical and moral and ecological guidelines uh, that, can, that can lead us into a different sort of a society. And that's, you know, you have to ask different questions to do that though. And this idea of just getting back to business as usual is not one that's gonna work. And I think everyone knows this. I mean, who hasn't seen an inconvenient truth? and wanted to put it out of their mind, for example. So then you say to yourself, well, if all that stuff's going on, why aren't, why aren't we more concerned 
I think everyone is, but they just put it, they just put it up into the back of their mind and think, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Cause everybody, you know, is we're, we're just living this way and this is the way it is. And oil companies do this and the government does that and blah, blah, blah. That may be the case, but you know, we're, we're individual centers of power and the choices that we make, the thoughts that we have, the beliefs that we have, the prayers that we make, the actions that we take do make a difference. You know, the, the, these governments and corporations are us and we are them. So yes. they're not somebody yeah. else. That's the that's tough the lesson. Thing. Nobody I, wants to hear. But... And that's the shadow aspect of it is like, we are all complicit, yeah, in, no. complacent, complicit, complicit, complicit in the whole, we're complicit well, we're and complacent. We've definitely yeah. been complacent. So, you know, and that's okay. (laughs) It's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize. I'm not trying to beat anyone up or whatever. I I am a part of the problem as well. You know, we all are. So we have to really look at our, 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 the way we're living and the way we're doing things and ask ourselves, am I, am I being as responsible as I can? Am I learning as much as I can about how to do things in a different way? Am I thinking in the best possible way and praying in the most positive way and being there for the people around me? Do I need this much stuff or is it just something that I've grown accustomed to? Is there somebody that might use some of the stuff that I have stored in my garage or that's that, you know, $500 a month storage that I'm paying for with all the stuff in it that I don't even see. But once every couple of years, when I move it to the next storage place, when we move, do I really need that? I don't know. Maybe I don't. You know, and, and so, you know, we ask ourselves these kinds of questions and then we, we start formulating different, different ways of living. Have to, well, we have yeah, to start asking these yeah. questions. And maybe this current lockdown, the coronavirus crisis is something where at least the vast majority of us uh, can turn inward and think. And yeah. this is a cause for it. It's a call um, actually, you can't help but kind of look yeah. at some things like that. Like, what were we doing? Mm-hmm. What were we thinking? You know, maybe maybe we can do more at-home schooling. Maybe I don't have to sit in traffic or an hour and a mm-hmm. half on the bus going to work, and I can, yeah, I can do this from home. You know, there's, I, I think, you know, it's not just the new thing to to do the old, the same thing the old way. We exactly. have to think of new ways of doing so. The goal can be the same: educate your kids, have enough uh, security to live, and you know, freedom to move about. I mean, that that doesn't change. But the way we live, the what it takes to get there, um, it's not running the old rat race. Yeah. There's there's a new way. There has to be a new way, or it's just going to be the same thing. Okay, then there'll be windmills everywhere and solar panels clogging mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood. And then that'll be a problem. Yep. Okay. Then it's just, you're just replacing gas with, you know, yeah, no, it's a, you know, it's steam to diesel yeah, to gas to wind and solar. And it's, it's still a big problem. Still costs as much to get out of the ground and go to war with another country so you can get their rare. No, there's all exactly. And, you know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. the way of thinking has to change the, and we have to change it. And yes, we are like that. Can't scapegoat. And it's not about changing the government change ourselves how we govern ourselves and i you know i think it just the best thing you can really do is is to really yeah, believe exactly. in another way this isn't just the way things are look at it at the paradigm level 
and ask, you know, what is this? What is a better way to educate? What is a better way to move about mm -hmm. the world or do work? Um, not how mm -hmm. can we do the old way well, again in, in a kinder, gentler way. No, the old way isn't kind and gentle. Yeah, except if way. you mean the old way that, for example, like we were living, you know, pre-industrial revolution in the United States. In, in that way, actually, people were quite responsible oh. and living very close to the earth, most people. And, you know, but there was still, you know, burgeoning industrial issues and so on. But But the point is, it's like, what the cool thing is now is, you know, with the technology that is available and with the knowledge that's available beyond that technology, you know, the technology is really what facilitates the sharing of this information in such a great way now, you know, like this podcast that we do and all the videos that are up online and, you know, all the documentaries that are available to watch and, and just, you know, the myriad of, of, of educational sources about how to do things in a different way. And what I, what I believe I, I, I see occurring. And I think that this is such a great opportunity to do this. And because, you know, we are in kind of a forced, a forced situation of having to look at how we're doing things. And then we may be in a, a situation where economically people are going to have to do things in a, in a different way, even after this thing is over. And it's going to cause us to have to really, get creative again and be more self-sufficient and more responsible for the way that we're doing things and much, much less wasteful and much less dependent on the, the corporate structure in a lot of ways. You know, for example, um, people don't realize, but both in World War I and World War II, there was, you know this, uh, the Victory Garden movement was a huge thing supported by the government. They'd say, you know, plant a Victory Garden to, you know, to help win the war effort and things like this, right, for both these world wars. Because a lot of the, you know, the industrial agriculture was going to feeding the troops. So they said, you know, if you, the more people here on the home front that can grow their own vegetables and grow their own food and so on, you know, that, that it'll, it'll, it'll help the war effort. So there's kind of a, it wasn't really a mandate, but there was certainly a lot of positive propaganda out there of how, you know, how to do this and, you know, the best way to do it and, you know, that everyone should do it if they're being um, patriotic and so on. Right. So there was a, there was a, there was a sort of a leadership role by the government to do this. Apparently during both of these wars, people raised about 40% of the food that they were eating at home uh, during this time. So, you know, in neighborhood gardens, backyard gardens, you know, shared community gardens and so on, it was creating 40% of the food that the average American was, was, was eating on a daily basis. That's incredible when you think about it. And there was no money put into it except for the fact that they had some, you know, some films on it and, you know, they put up posters and things about it. But people just figured it out, worked together. You know, and these sorts of things, that's like, that's one, one piece of it. You know, but then, you know, we've talked about this stuff before, but we know we can begin sharing things and trading more things and, you know, doing more stuff where we're canning at home and things that seem antiquated, I think, are going to be really useful in the future. That's my feeling, you know, and I think that as we and the, the, the crazy thing about it is I think we're going to enjoy life and be much more connected to each other, to the earth and, you know, to to social systems and so on in a much greater way 
uh, by kind of going back to this this simpler way of doing some of the stuff. And then, of course, some of the stuff is going to take some high tech solutions. And, you know, that stuff is is are things that, you know, you can learn about online, sustainable energy things and so on. But, you know, but again, it just like we talked about at the beginning, it's just kind of circle back. It's about starting with a fresh perspective on things and the thought that something is possible, a more, you know, a more sort of responsible and positive and spiritual and connected society is possible. You know, it's not some pipe dream or something. It's quite possible. It's just that we all have to start to believe that that's possible. And then, of course, you know, we've got to, like we said, we've got to take actions and it, but it starts first with formulating some new ideas about what is possible and understanding some of the options that are available. So, you know, I, I highly encourage people to start looking at, you know, at some videos and, you know, reading some books and so on in this, you know, there's a million books on, you know, green subjects and sustainability and so on. I think that there literally is an opportunity though, moving forward for a, you know, a sustainable revolution that's bigger than the industrial revolution and provides people with a better standard of living. It'll be different, but it'll be better overall. Do you know what I mean? Healthier and, and, and less polluting. And, you know, in fact, in some cases, non-polluting and regenerative, you know, those kinds of technologies exist. So, and, and just the way of, a way of, of, of farming and heating homes and, you know, cleaning water with natural, with natural uh, flows of, of movement to, you know, in gardens and things like that. It's, I mean, it's incredible what can be done these days. Do, do, do a bit of research on this, you know, so just, you know, look up sustainability on YouTube and, you know, a million things will come up and just start digging around and, and you'll see some stuff you can do in your own home and, you know, things that might open your eyes to, to, to different ideas and different ways of doing things. You know, do you have any other thoughts on that? Well, I think we've, in some ways, you know, already been moving towards yeah. that. I think with the internet and apps and mobile phones and things and telecommuting. I mean, I think that the seeds have already been planted. At least the the possibilities yeah. have already well, been planted. Well, the infrastructure is there too. Uh, but to, yeah, but to fully implement it into our lives, uh, I don't think we've really had that opportunity and we do have that now we the big restart or the reboot mm -hmm. and get back into society and doing things um there's a real chance to just not yeah. do business as usual again and take from the old ancient antiquated perhaps ways that can work yep. and make sense now yeah bring them back and do them and all the high-tech stuff keep going what can be even higher tech that's going to be even better for us? Uh, but all the stuff in the middle, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's maybe where we yeah. can do a clearing house. All the time and attention spent on stuff that's mm -hmm. maybe not quite mm -hmm. so meaningful. Um, you know, gossips and this, and, you know, entertainments are fine. Of course, we need to have amusements and diversions and appreciate culture and art, but to be so wrapped up in lives of other people mm -hmm. that, don't know us or don't care <laughs> and put a lot of power into our government and experts and uh, these structures. If they were working so well, we wouldn't have these problems. So maybe we don't um, put as much emphasis on, you know, our own personal power, mm -hmm. giving it to the powers that be. What about, what about nice, the power yeah. in thee? You yeah. Know? 
I mean, I think it's that. good to to be connected and to try to, you know, try to do your best in terms of making sure that, you know, we're electing the people that, you know, we think are going to do the best job. But then beyond that, don't, ex- but don't expect a, you know, a system that has some challenges to it and is, you know, is more or less in bed with, you know, corporate America to make radical choices for, for you and, you know, give you this magic bullet that's going to make your life better. I mean, and the thing is, that's where this, like this grassroots stuff comes into play is like when we start demanding things and we get out there again and we begin, you know, demonstrating and, you know, taking it to the streets, like back in the sixties and, you know, and doing things in a different way and deciding to completely, you know, change the way we're, we're acting and thinking, you know, the government and corporations are forced to follow They're you know, they're beholden to the people. Yes. You know, if we're complacent and complicit in all of this and we don't, you know, make different choices, then, you know, they're just going to keep doing business as usual. If you stop using as much oil and you stop buying new cars and you figure out different ways and you, you know, you move into the, like, for example, like in Los Angeles, they've got, you know, the LA Eco Village, which is a fabulous example of how people can live a much, much smaller footprint you know, people live clustered together and, you know, cooperate and work, you know, in a community way. And, you know, you live around the things you need, then there's no need to live this, this suburban lifestyle where you're driving around all the time and going to get this fast food and then driving out to Costco and then driving over here to, you know, for, for, for this adventure or that adventure and then go into the movies and then, you know, and then, Oh, I forgot this thing. So once I got home, I got to go out again you know, just plan things, you know what I mean? Live closer to the things you're going to do. If you, if, if, you know, your job shouldn't be 60 miles away. It doesn't make any sense, you know, and what facilitates that is fairly cheap oil and fairly cheap oil isn't actually cheap. It has a, it, it comes with a great cost. Do a little research into that and you'll see, and I've talked about this before and, you know, we talked about this before the show, but, you know, and this is a rough estimate, but basically, a, a gallon of oil should be around 12 or $13, not $3 a gallon. And even $3 sounds expensive, right? But the real price of oil is reflected more like you see the prices in Europe. You see the prices they're paying in Northern Europe, especially. And it's like, you know, roughly analogous to about $11, $12 a gallon. You know, they pay per liter and it's something like, you know, it's, you know, roughly the, about the same. So, you know, our, our oil is highly, highly, highly subsidized. So the question is like, if we're putting those subsidies towards that and propping up a system that is, is not working, what if we shifted those resources to something else, you know, but we have to know that there's other possibilities and not just go, well, no, this is the way it is. And that's all, all the only way we can do it. And, you know, it has to be like this. Who said, you know what I mean? Who said, so, open up your mind and, you know, and pray and think and do some research and start, you know, living in different ways. And, you know, if something happens, like for example, and you know, you're not able to go back to work, you know, take that as an opportunity to do something, you know, to do something great, to try to do something different, you know, cause at that point you have nothing to lose. You know, if you're strong and you're positive and you, and you, you know, and you, and you connect to the spirit and you, you know, you stay focused, you know, these are times, you know, of, of, of great opportunity when there's change, 
but you have to be willing to accept the change first. You know, you have to have it within in order to see it on the outside. Right. So that's the kind of takeaway. Do you have a, one last takeaway? Yeah. Well, I think that's just, just it. You know, the change has to be inside. Yeah. Self-leadership choices, but yeah, expand. Shoot higher. Guys not great, the limit. great point. Shoot higher. Well, well, thank you for joining us today on the Cosmic right. Eye Show on Emmett Fox Friday. And we uh, went over Millennium uh, in his book. Uh, we appreciate you joining us and hope that everyone is well. Uh, have a great week and join us for our Sunday show as well. Um, check us out at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye if you'd like to support us or share us on social media or what have you. Um, I'm your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have Chris Sheridan on the line. And our books are If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. So again, thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Take care, goodbye, and God bless. <laughs>